I mean, blended families bring back that whole it takes a village to raise a child sort of concept. Hi, my name is Beth Anderson. I'm a family law attorney and my law firm is Anderson Law PC. I want to tell you about families. I think of them like trees. Each one's unique. They have a different shape. They're not symmetrical, but they're all trees. And that's how I see families too. We don't fit one size fits all. We may break up, we may reform, people pass away. Your families are going to change form, but they're still a family. And whether it's by death or a breakup, you're not just breaking up, you're breaking upward. I'm so excited to have Jessica Callwhite, also known as Jessica Burt, to me um, as my guest today. She's a paralegal par excellence, and she's also a talented mediator, nutritional coach, divorce coach, and I think she's a little like Gal Gadot, so my nickname for her is Wonder Woman because I think she looks like Wonder Woman, and she accomplishes just as much. So... Um, I'm so pleased to have Jessica here because she brings so much to the table, but also we both are in blended families. So today we're talking about blending families. And um, so why don't you introduce yourself, Jessica, and tell us a little bit about where we can find you in social media and a little bit about you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Beth. Um, I worked with you forever so it's really great for um for someone who knows me as well as you do to bring me in and bring me on knowing that I have experience in this topic um right now I am divorce coaching I'm divorce mediating um that's where I spend most of my time in my day with a, a firm called Garski Mediation and um we are a non-attorney mediation firm um just an alternative for people who are amicable. It, they need to be amicable for it to work. The whole process, four stages, it's great. But yes, I grew up in a blended family um, as a child and I then I also have a blended family right now too with seven children. So it's um it's been I know all the pitfalls and the challenges and um and I definitely uh, think that between the two of us we definitely have a lot to share today. And we didn't even talk about that you came from a blended family mm -hmm. of origin. So that's something that I didn't even think about. So yeah, that's a unique perspective that I don't have as much. But for sure, I guess 17, no, 13 kids between the two of us. <laughs> I was older in my second marriage. I don't really talk too much about my kids personally. Now and then I'll just put a little, I will be even more cautious with what I call my bonus kids, because I don't want to ever talk about them very much personally. I also don't talk about my clients personally. And so if you hear me talking about a client, it's a composite. Yeah, same same here. If I'm using an example and it's not a personal example, because I will say if it's a personal example, and my kids, I have another podcast and I talk about my kids all the time. So they yeah, don't. Yeah, give it a plug. They it's for reals. For reals. Though. Oh, yeah, I do, yeah. I, do, I do a podcast called For Reals, though, with my best friend of over 20 years, and it's a women's empowerment podcast. And we every Monday a new episode comes out, but it's on all the platforms. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, and my little niece I spent last week, and she kept saying for real, though, and I kept thinking of your podcast. <laughs> I was like, I know someone with a podcast that has kind of that name. That was pretty funny. It's a good title. It got me thinking of you. 
So, um, yeah, blending families, it's so common. And so the first thing is just to get into the question of the day. What are some practical and legal pointers for blending families? Some of the things you really need to know that you might not know top of mind, especially when you're getting a divorce or coming into that second relationship. And so our first one is great communication and scheduling. So what pointers do you have on that, Jessica? My biggest one is having a, either a shared calendar with everyone, anyone who can use the calendar, or having a wall calendar where you write on it. And what we did um, in the family that I have now is uh, we had a wall calendar and we'd use a different colored marker for each kid's activities because um, they're all, well, two of them are grown and gone. 23 and 19, but the remaining five are all school-aged. And so they're in sports and they have Boy Scouts and they have all the things, right? And so um, that worked for a long time. We used that wall calendar for a long time. And then we decided to just share our Google calendar. And now everybody has a different color on the Google calendar. <laughs> and it's great. It works out perfect. But um, the more everyone gets a chance to know where everyone's at and what they're doing, the better, in my opinion. Well, I am very visual, so I always like that old school paper calendar. I had the one like with a column for each person hanging on the refrigerator. We always had the Sunday night family meeting and we all get our calendars out. And so even before my divorce, we were doing that. And um, my husband who's in IT is huge on digital. So he's big on a shared Google Calendar. Even today we share things. And he even gives Google Calendar invites to things like even walking the dogs or something like that. Our kids are grown, so it's a different perspective. And it was deliberate by me that I really didn't choose to remarry because my kids were already older. Um, when I met Alan, I chose not to remarry or move in until after my kids were out of the house. They do come back, so let's just <laughs> yes, leave it at do. that. And they bring their pets. So I just told Jessica, without going into details, because they probably won't listen to this anyway, it's pouring rain, and I'm like, my house is Noah's Ark. We yes. have plenty of every species let's just leave it at that and they don't all get along not just the humans but the pets like right. adult cats are very territorial so that was something i didn't see coming but it's good we love them and they're all welcome but empty nester is not always a permanent empty nester yeah i mean well i love your point that you made about um your husband sending invites to things um that is a a huge thing so now now that we're sharing a calendar as a family, um, I'll send an, I'll put something on the calendar and then everyone who's invited to the calendar gets the invite, right? To accept it, but they can see it, right? And it's so helpful because I put something for a, a com upcoming holiday, I put something on there and my husband was like, excuse me, um, no, that's not gonna work because blah, blah, blah. And so there was a conversation that had been had that I didn't put on the calendar and he reminded me through, through that event. So. Um, so yeah, I think it, it really helps everyone to get along a little bit easier and make things a little bit easier in your life. For sure. And then I like to talk about some of these apps that you need to have and the courts are high on them. Talking Parents, Our Family Wizard, 
civil communicator that one i haven't seen used as much but it kind of keeps you in line with how you communicate with your ex oh absolutely so i've only had experience with talking parents and civil communicator and talking parents is um it's probably for couples who can communicate easy um, civil communicator is for the the people who are challenged um, because there's buffers. There's people that um, review your text before it gets sent and and they'll either make suggestions or they'll tell you I'm not sending that <laughs> and it doesn't get sent. So, so yeah, civil communicator is a lot more in depth and helps people. It, it, the, the goal is to help people to communicate better and to learn how they have trigger words in certain things, you know. So, yeah, yeah, that's There's... so important. And also with talking parents, it might be free, but you can pay and you don't get to delete. So, I mean, you're going to not be using a lot of profanity. Hopefully you're not going to be calling the other person names. And if you want to use a communication as evidence in court, you want it to be something that you're proud to have read aloud in front of a judge who's going to make decisions about your child in the courtroom so sometimes i'll say talk as if you're talking to a judge if you don't want to have an attorney force you to read that text in a full courtroom with everyone listening including the judge who's going to decide where your kids go don't send it and also if you want to document something simple like when is the time to do the parenting exchange and was the other person on time, if you're throwing in a lot of curse words or calling the other person names, your attorney's going to have a hard time using it. Absolutely. Yep. You don't and, want to use it. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm, oh, I can't use any of this. And then you have to use the whole thread. You never want to just slice it down for your attorney's use. You don't want to go into court and find out, oh, I only sent the attorney the things that made me look good, but guess what the other person's showing, the things that make them look good. And that's why courts want to see the whole thread. They want to know the time and the place that it was sent. And one thing we say to lawyers is if it's not in writing, it didn't happen. So you really want to document and not to set up the other person to look bad, but rather to just get clear communication on the table and be respectful, and then things will fall into place. Everyone can see through it when you're trying to set up the other person yep. like a bowling pin to make them look stupid. They know what you're doing, and they're not amused. So just be a clear communicator. It's easier said than done, but you have to force it. Yeah, I mean, these judges do this all day, every day, so they've seen it all. <laughs> yep, don't do it late at night. Don't drink and text your ex. <laughs> just know. Just try to be really respectful and texting gives you the chance to just press pause and not send it i know you can edit text now so i don't think that works on talking parents but no it's but something interesting i always tell my coaching clients i'm like send the first text or the first email response but don't send it sit on it for 24 hours especially if it's very fiery or you know emotion laden and then after 24 hours go ahead and send it if you're comfortable with it. If not, delete it and you've got it, it's gone. It doesn't have to be shared. Yeah, and then an attorney can even look at some of those, especially yeah. where there's a protection order and you guys can't communicate directly. Sometimes having an attorney help, it can protect you from the really toxic and abusive parts of texting or oh emails. God. 
Those first messages, though, if they don't get sent, it's still therapeutic that they wrote it. And it's really helpful for them as an individual to grow. So, 100% I do that for my opposing counsel. I <laughs> wait 24 idea. hours. I sit on it and I'm like, why is it taking me 10 minutes to write a simple email? Because I'm personally involved because they attacked me personally yep. or they got under my skin. I don't want that to happen, but sometimes it's personal. It shouldn't be in law, but even for attorneys, I do sit on my emails and we use Slack in work and I've had people take it out of context sarcasm doesn't translate and even i've said something really nice i thought and the other person took it negatively so sometimes you have to pick up the phone and then you can follow up with a text or an email so for your new family and the old ex and their ex and it can go on and on your new siblings and yeah everything it all comes into play there it's crazy you can have a lot of parents but that brings us to our next thing which is you might go back to court I literally didn't know that when I got divorced. I was like, that's over and done with. And this is before I really became a full-time family law attorney. I was an experienced attorney, but I wasn't a family law attorney. And so when I got divorced, I thought, oh, good, done. And then, no, you have to modify child support and parenting time. Things change. Yeah, things change. People lose jobs. People get raises, you know, and... and yeah, it, it is a fact of divorce, unfortunately, and I see it, I know you do see it a lot too, post-divorce litigation. There's a lot of it out there. And there are firms that literally will not take clients in post-divorce. They only take the initial divorce clients. Um, I would like to thank them for all my clients I have. <laughs> and even, I'm getting a lot of um, second divorces. Oh, okay, yeah. That's, I don't want to say it like it's derogatory. But it's really hard to blend families and divorce is prevalent. So second divorces are prevalent too. You know, when I took the parenting class that was required when I took a divorce, because I am divorced um, a couple of times. (laughs) Um, When I took that parenting class, they give you the statistics of you. If you were to leave this, you know, divorce that you're in with taking this parenting class and go and get married a second time or a third time, the the statistics of the divorce rate is even higher and then yeah. it's higher every time um but it's a really high it, i want to say it's in the 70s or 80 percentage that you're going to get divorced a second time yeah and we'll get there but um <laughs> i remember my attorney said she wasn't divorced when i got divorced i hired an attorney um because i wasn't objective even though i was an experienced attorney i wasn't right. objective about my own divorce and she said oh it doesn't go well for you people I love her. She was a very good attorney, but that really hurt my feelings. You people who are already divorced. It just felt like a black mark on me. Right, right. And so that's why I don't want to have that level of judgment. I don't think she meant it that way, but I I mean, it just sticks with me. Yeah. And I mean, it is just, it's a nature, the nature of things to have to have another uh, disagreement later on after your divorce. And it could lead to another court appearance so the question is if i'm remarried is my spouse's income considered and the general rule is no if you have relative parity of both incomes they're not going to count your spouse's income you're separate and you're supporting yourself or if you're the primary breadwinner obviously 
you're supporting your spouse. Mm -hmm. So it's not a source of revenue for you. But if you're remarried and you have like a very wealthy spouse, like I would say Elon Musk or Bill Gates or something, and they're supporting you in a life of luxury, then they will consider, okay, you're not working, but you really don't need maintenance, which is alimony or child support. Guess what? Everyone thinks that their ex's new spouse is Elon Musk. They're not. That's rare. <laughs> it's true. And they try to prove it, and they're usually entitled to get some information, but not to the extent that they would like. Yeah. In my in one of my uh, divorces, it was a post-divorce um, action where we changed custody of our child, and I was a stay-at-home mom for my second marriage for my other children. Um, and my spouse was supporting us. And because of that, I got imputed because I needed to pay our, my daughter's father money. And I got imputed at minimum wage. And that was what happened. So they, they still said, even though we know you're not working, you are getting money from your spouse. So we're just going to impute you at minimum wage. That's exactly the example yep. that yep. people are thinking about. And it seems fair, which brings us to another thing people might not know, which is the different relationship with step-parents, step-children, I might call them bonus parents or bonus children, um, but it's a completely different relationship. Absolutely. There's so um, many different types of relationships that bonus parents and bonus children have with each other. It's just such a great opportunity uh, to learn about that child and learn what that child needs, what that child, who that child is, and what you have to offer for them. And then individualize all of your relationships with each one of them. I think it is, it's been such a joy to be able to do that in my own life with the three that I have at home, getting to learn who they are, what their interests are, and then um, creating a brand new relationship with them that's individual and nothing like any of the other relationships I have. I think it'll, I think of it a lot like an in-law. Like they came from a whole different family of origin and so they don't have your hobbies and your habits and your affinities, but they bring this new objectivity. So if your family's doing something weird, the in-law comes in and says, you don't have to do that anymore. Why are you acting like that? Yeah. And that can be really refreshing. Same with a blended family. All of a sudden, some of the parenting, it's inspiring. It and is. you might question some of your parenting and realize, oh, I could do it a different way and that's not bad. Or I could do it a different way. My way feels comfortable to me and I'm going to stay out of my spouse's parenting style. That's something that's really important to do to say, oh, I don't like the way you do it and I'm not going to do it that way, but I will let you raise your children your way. That's something that I find important. Absolutely. It can You can find it um, difficult, though, to be able to step out of that box and step out of that role, especially if you see things that are way off course, way off, or way normal, less normal than what you're used to, then you, um, then you might have that instinct to step in and, and overstep your welcome, overstep your boundaries. And so it's kind of like a dance where you're just like, okay, did I go too far here? Oh, oh I'm going to pull back here. And just trying to find that that okay medium for everyone to keep everyone, you know, on the same level. But if, 
you know, if we're going to talk about this portion of blended families, I'd be amiss to not talk about like the negativities that we see and the, you know, the preferential treatment that we see. And then we see, you know, couples when they come together, they have kids on each side that they blend, but then they have their own child. And then I can't tell you, this is personal experience, but I can't tell you how many times I've seen where that one child or the two children or whatever that they had together get treated completely different than the rest of the kids. And like the golden child? Yes, the yes. golden child yes. that fuses their relationship. Right. And then the other children sometimes, again, it's a composite. It's not anyone specific, but yep. they can feel left out. And so even I've heard the advice, don't necessarily redirect your, especially with me, adult bonus kiddos, like, they will remember it. Yes, and they so will. so step out. Yep. And as a family law lawyer, I can well imagine people might think I would meddle in my second spouse's relationship with his ex and those children, but I do what I say. I don't mind saying this, that I just stay out. I don't litigate his case. I stay out. They're grown now, but... That was really important to me because I know as a family law attorney how disruptive that is. And that is another reason I'm a huge fan of a separation agreement. You can go to trial, but the judge is not going to craft a special agreement between the only two parents of these shared kids that puts the kids first. Because when the new people come in, what they bring almost always is oh my gosh you're letting your ex walk all over you you need to fight harder why are you putting up with them that is the worst advice by the way if they called me i'd say no you need to tell your spouse good job you're fighting them i don't even know how hard that is for you and mm -hmm. i'm proud of you because that's what someone with an ex needs support right. and affirmation they are not a doormat they're trying but then the friends and family pile on fight them go for this as one mediator said my my cousin's girlfriend's dog walker had everything a million times better yep. their attorney paid them <laughs> the judge gave them the kids i mean just all these stories of glory that you can't measure up to your partner doesn't need to hear that yeah they're trying. No, it's that is so true. I think that um, getting involved in the, the parenting of your partner and their ex, it, it leads nothing to trouble. <laughs> it's just nothing with, unless there's danger, right? Unless there's true danger. But I will say that I have seen separation agreements that define, there's paragraphs that define what a step parent is and is not allowed to do. Not really specific, but um, one of the one of the examples that we've used in in our mediation practice is that um, you know this two the couple separates and the stepmom comes in the bonus mom comes in and without consulting anyone starts becoming the um, the room mom for one of the children without even letting the mom have an actual chance to do that 
Um, so oh, for sure, yeah. they'll push yeah. There's If it can be done, it has been <laughs> done. So... Everything from shaving heads, tattooing, right. piercing, right. Um, a lot of haircut, hair dye, yeah. pulling them out of activities, booking but... vacations at the same time. So, and... yeah, I mean, if you need to be specific on your separation agreement, by all means, the spe- more specific, the better, because then you can really, really line people out when you need to. Um, but I've seen on separation agreements that only mom and dad are going to be called mom and dad. I mean, I've seen things like this. Like people have gotten I don't crazy know about with that. that. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. But yeah, it's important to them. Yes. So if yeah. they like it, fine. We'll see. But it is your one chance to just have the two of you at the table. And then later, when the new people come into the picture, you can say, well, the agreement says this. And you don't mm-hmm. have a lot of fighting. Something and to fall sec- back on. Yeah. yeah, they don't second guess you. I have to tell you, I went to a training by a judge and she put up on the screen this court paper. It's almost always filed by, okay, it's dad filing the petition. Who wrote it, Jessica? What 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 was the... It was some sort of motion that was filed in a post-decree case... Who filed it? It's about the dad. Who wrote it and filed it? I'm giving you, I'm asking you to guess. It wasn't the mom. It wasn't the dad. It was the step. Yeah. The step. It's always oh the God. girlfriend and the step. The girl. Like nine yeah. times out of 10. Yeah. yeah. The, the partner of the dad files a lot of the pleadings for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. And the judge was making fun of it because it had like the bubble letters, very feminine. And then they'll even say like, <laughs> oh, no. they'll text and say things like, even I've seen cases texting from the dad's phone. He doesn't like this. Oh yeah, off his phone. It's true. I I will <laughs> tell you that that is true. There's several people um, in the in my work past that I've either coached or been a paralegal for a case and. The girlfriend is right there and has to be on almost the call. always has to be on the call. They're on a <laughs> on the you know several different lines or she they're on speakerphone so she can hear everything and she does most of the talking and you're just like I don't know what to do with this. Or that you can hear them in court. You're yeah. now on WebEx and yeah. you see their shadow and yeah. you hear them talking in the background. And men too. I don't want to be gender specific, but a lot of times as a stereotype dad's girlfriend or wife does all the pleadings yep i mean i would say that the the two times in my divorces when post-divorce litigation occurred out of nowhere it was after they are they had relationships with other women mm-hmm. when they wanted either money from me or they wanted to pay me less money it was because the female their their new partner their new spouse was pushing them to do it Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. But they bring that unique perspective. It can definitely be positive sometimes. And they can even say things to the kids that a parent... They won't listen to a parent. Yep. Even adult kids. So I always use the example, you're at a wedding and your nephew says, get me a rum and Coke. And you're like, okay, sure. And then your son says, get me a rum and Coke. Oh, well, should you be drinking? Isn't it a little late for Coca-Cola? You'll be up all night. It's just a different perspective. A step-parent sometimes can have that, but also be smart, especially with minor children, especially blended families in basements with no supervision. It's not enough that the kids are safe. It's got to be that you can prove they're safe and that when an ex thinks about what the kids were doing or hears the child describe it or see something on TikTok 
that they feel safe about it. Right. And you really have to think that through. Or even if you have roommates, like they're interacting with your kid. Is it going to scare your ex if they hear about it? You really have to be doubly cautious um, even just private time oh, yeah. with minor children of another gender, you have to be really, really careful. They will check your background, your criminal background. You have to be on top of your game. And then estate planning, um, stepchildren are not children under the law. So you may want to change your estate plan to include them or not include them or whatever you decide because the law doesn't really take care of that. So for blended families, I definitely say do your will and get your state planning. So is there anything else you wanted to raise in about the different relationships with steps? No, I think we covered we covered a lot. Yeah, yeah. definitely have time alone without the parent. That was another thing Oh, yes. About. So yeah, I would say that that's a huge one. Um, scheduling time to be with your children alone with your children without the rest of your family, the rest of your blended family, without the rest your spouse um, is so imperative. And I know that personally, I wish that I had had that more as a child growing up. Um, but then I also know that my children requested it of me and their father. And I, we do, we carve out, we carve out time all the time for ourselves together. But then also I carve out time for each one of them because I only have two more that are home that are mine. Uh, my husband does the same. He spends time with his children without me around. And um, it really provides a little bit of safe space for everybody um, and what they're comfortable with. And it causes less, like, like you're forcing things. Like yeah, and, you have, and they want to say different things. Like, I don't really have any qualms about talking about when I would meet with my kids without my husband there. Mm-hmm. They bring up other issues. And also just one-on-one time with each child of your own family. And even if you have a strong relationship, it can be really fun to have one-on-one time with your bonus child. Yes. Just be smart about it that there aren't any allegations that you're doing anything inappropriate. But it can be joyful for them because you might bring something to the table that they didn't get from their own parent oh yeah i mean blended families bring back that whole it takes a village to raise a child sort of concept because not only do they have their mom and their dad to look up to um to bring uh, all of the culture to them but then you've got this these bonus people that come in that were raised probably in a different part of the country and in a different way, maybe under a different culture, introducing them to another way of thought, another, I don't know, idea about the world. And I, I just look at that as nothing but growth and amazingness for their, for their little brains. That's one thing that bothers me about alienation is that if you turn a child against their other parent, the whole extended family is cut out of the picture too. And it's so sad for grandparents when they don't get to see their own grandchildren because the other parents said, well, I hate your dad, so you should hate them. Or I hate your mom, so you should hate her. And the whole family gets cut out. And I just don't approve of it. It's very rare when that's a good idea to just cut out the other half. I absolutely that happened to me as a child too. I wasn't um wasn't able to contact or see my family. Um the my extended family, uh, my mother died when I was 9. So oh. um I I just didn't have any contact with them until I was an adult. I could go and find them myself. But a lot of the people were already gone um by the time that that moment came and so I missed out on an entire um era 
of who I am and what I'm made of. And that was really, really devastating for me to really understand. I didn't understand it as a kid, you know, um, but I do as an adult now. And, um, and so, yeah, alienation is a very, very devastating, um, topic. You definitely should do a podcast on it. <laughs> yeah. I would, it comes I would say, up though, a lot. It does. In other podcasts I do. It comes up, it comes up a lot everywhere. And, um, and it's also, I think, used very loosely. I think people just immediately title something alienation that might not necessarily be alienation. So. Well, there's something called affinity. So mm-hmm. it can be really common that a parent has affinity with one child where they like the same things. For example, I love to go fishing. My father was a sportsman, so we would do the hunting and fishing together because I was a tomboy. And then my sister might stay home with her mom, my mom mm-hmm. And do more reading or things at home. And I was just up in Montana visiting my family. So we talked a lot about this. That's an affinity. That's not alienation. Right. right. But if we slammed each other and tried to make it look like the other parent's no good, that's when it steps into it. I have to say a couple things about blended families that I didn't realize is, especially at my age, your family, when you're first married, you're looking forward. You're building a family. You're buying property together. You're mm-hmm. building a life together. You're pursuing your careers. Even a second marriage for people with really little kids and very young, it's the same thing. But at my age, you're looking backward. And it's a different thing. Your kids are grown. They're in their place. And they have their relationships already. And so they may have a lot of affinity and a lot of habits and hobbies with that family of origin that are not going to ever be that familiar to you, but that's okay. Yeah. But it's just another reason, as we said, to make time for your kids separately and then finally to make time for yourself as a couple. Absolutely. That is so important. Dating your spouse. I don't care if you're a blended family or not. Always date your spouse. <laughs> yeah. You have to put it in the calendar sometimes. You do. <laughs> but it's really important. And I think it gets lost in the shuffle because a lot of people make their child into their spouse and that is called spousification or parentification. And even for people in their 20s, it's really inappropriate and actually quite damaging to the child, almost to the point of child abuse. Yeah. And I didn't even know that sometimes when your spouse is lacking in something like maybe child minding or cleaning or whatever it is, you might train up your children to do it and they might almost be like a surrogate for a spouse and I can't tell you how many times a divorced parent just throws a lot of money at their kids from their relationship and then elevates them to these adult positions. Um, Some things to watch out for are putting down either their new partner or their ex with the child cursing adult behaviors like drinking or marijuana, watching porn, shooting guns, anything adult that's taboo even adult conversations about yeah. money mm-hmm. or your relationship, venting to your child, all those things. And it may sound shocking to some of you that I'm bringing that up, but these are things I see day in and day yes. out. And it's almost grooming your child to be your new spouse. And that is so inappropriate. Right, right. I um, I would say maybe throwing in um, a little bit more of the, uh, the neglect, um, where the child is left to just do whatever they want whenever they want. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's yeah. another huge problem. Yeah, that's a, a major problem in blended families right now because 
Um, if you have too many kids and maybe you don't have the greatest relationship, you get overwhelmed as a parent and then you just, um, you retreat. And yeah. I've seen a lot of that retreat happening and then the children just rule the roost or they run the show or they do their own thing and they're living a completely different life and you don't even know who they are because they're well, doing some crazy stuff on TikTok that that's you've never true. even seen. Yeah, and yeah, that is actually really true. And also you might be so fearful. They know their power. Everyone knows that a kid, oh, mom said it's okay. Dad said it's okay. Play their parents off each other. When it's a blended family, take it times 10. It's like playing your parents off each other on steroids because you can do the whole Cinderella scenario or whatever yeah. for the other gender and just, oh, um, you know, I'm going to go to mom's. I'm going to go to dad's. Oh, yeah. I'm not talking to you unless you buy me this. Mm -hmm. I don't like the people you date, I'm not going to come over if they're there. So yeah, you want to have time alone with your kids, but also it's not appropriate for them to dictate the relationship. And guess what? If you're not going on dates, if you're not having conversations without your children, be they minors or adults, there's no way you're going to be able to preserve your relationship as a couple. When I see how much spousification and parentification there is out there and how people are elevating their kids to the level of a partner... No wonder second divorces happen right and left because their actual partner never had a chance. And also, guess what? Your child's not going to be out there branching out and meeting their partner. Right, right. So, yeah, I think it's more important than people realize to make it a priority, even though you're really busy. But I know a lot of people try to coordinate the parenting schedule so that they have alone time, but also factor in maybe some alone time with kids from each family. Yep. His, hers, ours. Yep. Yep. It's definitely important. Yep. So any final words? You're the expert on blended families. Um, you know, I, I just want to remind everybody, these kids are only with you for a short period of time. They'll be gone really, really quick. And I promise you it's going to be quicker than you realize. So just make the best and do your best at all times because it's not worth it to not period. <laughs> well, and you can't fix everything for me. It's learning to step back and let them speak for themselves and not overparent. Oh and gosh, yeah. You're trying to make these people functional adults in society. Remember that. Yeah, it's just hard because I want to smooth the path, but sometimes the best way to do that is to let them pick their own path. Absolutely. My dad said to my sister, don't try to tell the children what to do or how to live their lives because they are going to go out and do something beyond your imagination. So And let so, them. Yes, yeah, stay them. out of the way. Sometimes they'll be okay. And you have the right to focus on not just your relationship with your partner, but something I learned, just dating yourself, being with my friends, going off and doing my own thing. I think that was something that really got lost in the shuffle for me. Blending my family, I tried so hard to please everyone at work and at home. I forgot about myself, just who I was and taking time to just be me. Yes. I see my husband doing that right now. And so I try... I'll call his friends or his brother and be like, so can you just take him out on a bike ride or can you take him fishing this weekend? Because he'll forget to do those things. He's got his kids, my kids, his work, 
And, you know, and he's so supportive in our family. And I see him neglecting himself in the same way because he's 10 years younger than me. So in the same way that I neglected myself at that age and just threw everything I had into my family and my life. And so I'm trying to make sure he doesn't do that because I see it happening. <laughs> yeah, sometimes guys can be kind of shy that way. <laughs> I noticed too. They need a little nudge. Yeah, I literally scheduled time to yep. do stuff with friends and... um even this is kind of strange. I don't mind sharing that. I watched the Nuggets with my mother-in-law. And so our TV reception is not the best. We're streamers. Oh, okay. We don't have cable. And so I'm like texting my mother-in-law, can I come and watch the Nuggets at your house and we have a girls' night? And then I don't mind sharing also that one of Alan's daughters, like we're reading the same book. Oh, cool. It really feels good. That is, that's a great, that's a great conversation starter. I love that. Yeah. So there's all sorts of stuff out there. Yeah. So um, for sure, um, I think blending rocks, I'm fine with it. And, um, but it does take a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but it is great. It really is great. Yeah. It's all a mindset. That's what it is. Yeah. I made a joke one time. It's like, it might not be so much blended as like Rocky Road ice cream <laughs> with a couple marshmallows and a bunch of nuts. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, so now time for my lawyer joke of the day. There was a pastor and he was dying. It was the end of life for him. And so he called his lawyer and he called his banker. And at the very end of life, his last request was for those two to come into the room. And the lawyer and the banker said, well, we're very flattered that you called us into the room. Is it a financial matter? And he said, no. And they said, well, is it a legal matter? And he said, no. And he, they said, well, is it because we're such great friends of yours? And he said, no, Christ died between two thieves, and I want to do the same thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's no lawyer jokes that are like, oh, how wonderful no, lawyers are. Not. Like, that's when you not asked me thing. if I knew any lawyer jokes, I was not going to give you any because yeah. there's no good ones. No, they're all bad. They're yes, all they bad. Are. They're all very insulting, so I don't know. So I guess that leaves me, like, a lot of room to... Um, jump over the bar because it's pretty low so yeah now we always delve into what the question of the day will be for our next podcast sometimes i get it wrong but i think the next podcast will be about a law clerk's perspective on family law i've never been a judge and i've never clerked for a judge so i've never been behind the scenes working for a judge but I know you do some mediation in the courts mm -hmm. and you worked for the DA's office. So you might have a little more of a unique perspective, but what do you think are some law clerks pointers for family law? Oh gosh, I have no, I know that as a paralegal, I would deal with law clerks on a regular basis, right? They're the, and they seem stressed all the time. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I don't know, um, but I definitely know that they, can either be your worst enemy or your best friend in a case, right? And you definitely want them to be your best friend. And so over the years of being a paralegal, I've learned the tricks of how to win them over so that they are not your worst enemy. Do you give them beanie babies like Better Call Saul? <laughs> 
No, no, no. What do you do? What manners. We use manners oh, as paralegals. Yeah. And the clerks, that goes a long way with the clerks. Manners, yeah. um, consideration, paying attention and listening to their direction. So, like, if they leave a message, like, if you get their voicemail and they say in the message, please don't leave a message. Send an email. Here's the email address. So many people just leave a message anyway. And so following those simple directions like goes a long way as well. They will love you for that stuff, so. Yeah, for sure. I've been told law clerks run the courtroom. And I know for me personally, if anyone's mean to anyone who works for me, I don't tolerate it. That is not okay. No, and I've seen that firsthand. It's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do I'm not. like, don't curse at my staff. Don't be mean to my staff. Don't mess with my staff. And I know judges are the same way. They're yeah. very protective and they will be told if you're rude to a clerk, so never, never do it. And then I was told that they surveyed judges what's the number one thing they want family law attorneys to know. And they said, um, rein in your client. Give them realistic expectations. Yes. yes. Everyone says, oh, I want a lawyer who will fight for me. I want to... You a to, bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> I want yeah. a pit bull. I want this or that. Which, yes, we will fight for you, but not in a way that harms you. Like, if I went on a basketball court and I showed up with, like, a gun and a sword, I'm not going to win the game because those aren't appropriate for basketball. So, too, in court, you don't show up as a hired gun or wielding a sword. You have to follow the rules of court. And if the law and the facts aren't on your client's side, you're still going to fight. But in private, you're going to get them realistic because I never want my client to hear it from a judge. The bad news. Oh, yeah. It's not fun to tell your client, but you have to. It's the hardest yeah, part of my job. Yeah, you're doing them a disservice if you don't. I hate doing it, but I have to do it. And it's probably the most important thing I do. And um, it doesn't mean I'm not a fighter, but... Lawyers who don't do that have very bad reputations Yep, with the judges. So and they I guess... probably are part of the reason why all the jokes are mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. What do they care? Just go to trial and they get paid either way. Right. But yeah, it's called, it's inappropriate. It's called churning when you get them all worked up for nothing. And judges hate it. So, yeah, we'll find out about that in the future. And um, so at the end, is there any contact information you want to give out about your... Um, yeah, I mean, I'll just repeat. My my uh, website is Garski Mediation, and I'm a non-attorney mediator that you can schedule. Everything's all on the website. You can schedule me through Calendly, and it's great. Um, and then my podcast is for reals, though, and that's on Apple Podcast. Um, and every Monday we have a new a new episode that comes out. But we're about women's empowerment. And, um, and all the issues that women are facing today. And also launching your modeling career. I oh, about I, am, that. <laughs> I am getting ready to do that too. Yes, yeah. I am. Many faces, many faces. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. You're well-rounded, a renaissance paralegal. Yeah, great. <laughs> and for me, um, my name is Anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N, E for excellent. And it's Beth Lynn L-Y-N-N AndersonJD.com is my website. All of my contact information will be in the show notes. We have a monthly newsletter that I think is really good. And we also have our podcasts. We do some video. And um, we're on social media, Facebook, etc. And I'm also 
a mediator. We do some mediation. I've even teamed up with Jessica on some mediation. And she's one of our great contractors. And also do estate planning and everything for your family as it changes direction. As I said, you're not just breaking up, you're breaking upward.